shouting at him, at first taking the foreigner for a fool. If he wanted to die on the road, let him do so, for no man in this country would be sorry. Quickly, however, the driver's scorn had given way to a grudging admiration. The man might indeed be foolish. One could go so far as to say that he had a fool's overly pretty face and wore a fool's unsuitable clothes, a coat of colored leather lozenges in such heat. But his balance was immaculate, to be wondered at. The bullock plodded forward, the cart's wheels hit potholes and rocks, yet the standing man barely swayed and managed, somehow, to be graceful. A graceful fool, the driver thought, or perhaps no fool at all. Perhaps someone to be reckoned with. If he had a fault, it was that of ostentation, of seeking to be not only himself, but a performance of himself as well. And, the driver thought, around here, everybody's a little bit that way too, so maybe this man is not so foreign to us after all. When the passenger mentioned his thirst, the driver found himself going to the water's edge to fetch the fellow a drink in a cup made of a hollowed and varnished gourd, and holding it up for the stranger to take, for all the world as if he were an aristocrat worthy of service. "'You just stand there like a grandee, and I jump and scurry at your bidding,' the driver said, frowning. "'I don't know why I'm treating you so well. Who gave you the right to command me? What are you, anyway? Not a nobleman, that's for sure, or you wouldn't be in this cart. And yet you have airs about you, so you're probably some kind of a rogue.' The other drank deeply from the gourd. The water ran down from the edges of his mouth and hung on his shaven chin like a liquid beard. At length he handed back the empty gourd, gave a sigh of satisfaction, and wiped the beard away. "'What am I?' he said, as if speaking to himself but using the driver's own language. "'I'm a man with a secret, that's what.' a secret which only the emperor's ears may hear. The driver felt reassured. The fellow was a fool, after all. There was no need to treat him with respect. Keep your secret, he said. Secrets are for children and spies. The stranger got down from the cart outside the caravanserai, where all journeys ended and began. He was surprisingly tall and carried a carpet bag. And for sorcerers, he told the driver of the bullock cart. And for lovers, too. And kings. In the caravanserai, all was bustle and hum. Animals were cared for horses, camels, bullocks, asses, goats, while other untamable animals ran wild. Screechy monkeys, dogs that were no man's pets. Shrieking parrots exploded like green fireworks in the sky. Blacksmiths were at work, and carpenters, and in chandleries on all four sides of the enormous square, men planned their journeys, stocking up on groceries, candles, oil, soap, and ropes. Turbaned coolies in red shirts and dhotis ran ceaselessly hither and yon with bundles of improbable size and weight upon their heads.
There was, in general, much loading and unloading of goods. Beds for the night were to be cheaply had here. Wood-frame rope beds covered with spiky horsehair mattresses standing in military ranks upon the roofs of the single-story buildings surrounding the enormous courtyard of the caravanserai. Beds where a man might lie and look up at the heavens and imagine himself divine. Beyond, to the west, lay the murmuring camps of the Emperor's regiments, lately returned from the wars. The army wasn't permitted to enter the zone of the palaces, but had to stay here at the foot of the royal hill. An unemployed army, recently home from battle, was to be treated with caution. The stranger thought of ancient Rome. An emperor trusted no soldiers except his praetorian guard. The traveler knew that the...